2: Yo, what up, people? KJ Podcast. Hope everyone's having a great start to December. We have Chris Biederman on as a guest. Just wanted to do a quick intro. If you're a new listener, Blue Wire is the network I launch. Sports podcasting, bringing it locally to you. A bunch of different shows, Light Years, Coffeehouse Stunt for the Raiders. We've got a lot of different teams. We'll have 16 podcasts by this time next week. Check it out, bluewirepods.com delivering you more content. You get done listening to this. Search Blue Wire on iTunes. All of our other shows will come up. Yeah, not too newsworthy of a 49ers week. A lot of big picture stuff to get to with Chris. Kyle Nelson, the long snapper, suspended 10 games. Unfortunate situation for him. Looks like he was trying to sneak a fast one with the with the supplements and maybe they got it wrong, hopefully for his case. But that's Really the only major development. 49ers will take on the Denver Broncos this weekend. I think it's closer. Chris and I kind of disagree. You'll hear about Nick Mullins. I think he could end up being the backup for this team next season. Anyways, let's get to that conversation. We'll talk to you on the backside. All right, what up, people? KJ Podcast. We bring him on every few months. It's kind of nice. We had him on before the draft. I think we had Chris on before... The season started and now kind of you know, the season's pretty much over. They're playing meaningless football. They're trying to develop the football team, the forty ers and it's kinda of good to gauge the team, the roster, the headlines with Chris. What's going on, man?
1: How much, Kevin, how you doing?
2: You always with the cold open right there, I don't like that. You go like, can you add some warmth there?
1: I need to I need to work on that. I need to like really bring bring energy. I've been I've been like reclined in this recliner and my dog's kinda of, like sitting up against me and I just you know so got home and got comfortable, so um, I'll 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 try to bring the energy.
2: Chris has been crushing it for the Sacramento Bee. Stepped in for Barrows, who's now at the Athletic. Uh, you know he worked his ass off, and it deserves this position. He's crushing it, traveling on the road. Uh, you should be reading him. I'm reading him every day. The discussion with the team, Chris, this year. I feel weird not being hard on them because it's the fifth straight losing season. This franchise is. Essentially, Browns West, obviously not as bad as that franchise, but it's down in the dumps right now. The Jimmy Garoppolo thing, the injuries, um, we've given them a, a pass, and the reporting hasn't been tough on them. I, I understand the fan outrage. We're going to get to the defensive coordinator. We're going to get to their draft picks they've gotten wrong, but and you're in the room. Is this team being scrutinized heavily enough, or just because of the injury situation, 2018 is a throwaway year. They got a couple things right. Let's move forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, the record obviously is what it is, and, and obviously, you know, you'd want some of those key guys that aren't necessarily directed uh, or Im- impacted directly by, by some of these injuries to play better. Um, people like Akella Witherspoon and, and Solomon Thomas, and obviously the Reuben Foster situation is a huge debacle. Um, but, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was, was the tide that really lifted all boats last year, and now that you know, that tide is gone and and it was gone early in the season. Um, And and Kyle Shanahan said it today talking about, um, you know, he thought the most, he he thinks the most important positions on the field are are quarterback on offense and edge pass rusher on defense. And obviously with Jimmy Garoppolo on the shelf and and them not having a legitimate outside presence uh, on the pass rush, the 49ers are, are clearly struggling. Now, that's not necessarily an excuse for, for the other guys I mentioned. Uh, maybe a little bit for Akella Witherspoon because, you know, obviously a pass rush would make him more effective. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, if they were to get someone, you know, if, if Nick Bosa was the guy and ended up being a player like his brother Joey, then then that could have a huge impact on this 49ers defense. And, and it almost feels similar to where the 49ers were in 2010 before before Alden Smith. Uh, in 2011, they they were, you know, I mean, obviously they're dealing with a bunch of injuries now, but that defense then was relatively solid, you know, at linebacker, certainly on, on the defensive line, on the inside of the defensive line, and, and in the secondary. And when they added Alton Smith, who was instantly a double-digit sack guy, they, the defense went to a whole nother level. Um, it went from, you know, pretty good to elite. And I'm not saying, adding someone like Nick Bosa would make the 49ers defense elite next year, but it would certainly mask a lot of their issues. And that's one of the things that, that Kyle Shanahan talked about today was the fact that, you know, you could, on offense, you could, you could basically beat any coverage with, with play design, but if there's a pass rush, it doesn't really matter how well you design those plays to beat those coverages because your quarterback simply doesn't have time to, to go through all the necessary steps to find those open guys. So I do think, um, you know, this defense... Isn't as far away as a lot of people think. I think you know if you get if you get an elite player outside to complement the Forrest Buckner, then you're looking at you know one of the possibly you know one of the best outside inside combinations in the league, and and that's the sort of jump that that the Jaguars made when they got Calais Campbell. Uh, um, you're you're play, getting me excited to, right to now to play next to well to play next to Yannick Ngakwe, and it's a similar scheme, and, and Robert Sala was obviously there too. Um, oh, wait, yeah, hold I on. The NFL.
2: I mean, no, I'm jumping in right there because you've been awesome defending Robert Sala too. And I, I think pulling the trigger to, to get rid of him right now, you're right. It, it, it seems forced like, oh, they need to just make a move to make a move. And I guess the point is the losses really, if they had a quarterback, the defense wouldn't look as bad because the record would be – Six and six, you know, or even just four and whatever. Then you would think about it, but so I guess the record kind of like has fan outrage, and it's like there needs to be fingers pointed, and I they have to have a tough conversation here. Is maybe Robert Sala isn't that good? I mean, there you can point to certain things on the field where these guys are not communicating well. Again, he doesn't have a pass rush. He doesn't have a single high safety. John Lynch has kind of screwed that up. Robert Sala, he's probably getting a third year, but you think he's on the hot seat? Do you think they're you know discussing? his job security
1: I don't really think so there's been no indication that that's the case and Kyle Shanahan's been been asked about it you know quite a few times this year and and he's indicated nothing but confidence in Sala and I think they're so far down the road with with this scheme the Seahawks style scheme um, and all the specific traits that they need from players to play in that scheme that they're really limiting their pool of of potential candidates to replace him if they do want to go another direction. So, uh, you know, realistically, like, if Dan Quinn got fired, the head coach of the Falcons got fired, he obviously is from the same Pete Carroll coaching tree on running that Seahawks-style defense in Atlanta. I I mean, I think he would really be sort of the only logical candidate unless they wanted to go the route of promoting another uh, position coach who doesn't have experience as a coordinator. And, and I just don't see the 49ers doing it. And I think it's totally fair to say, you know, Adrian Colbert wasn't playing particularly well before he got hurt. Obviously, we, we talked about Akella Witherspoon. Uh, we've talked about Solomon Thomas. Uh, those are guys that, that aren't really developing at the rate the 49ers would need this season. They're and not starters. Like-
2: They're not starters. I don't think those guys can start next season
1: yeah but i but i would i would argue that it's on those players to to develop and get better like you can you know like that they're are a coach that they're coaches the coaches can only do so much you know like i, I don't view um and i and, and if it goes on if it if it gets worse next year and these guys don't get significantly better and the defense doesn't look significantly different next year then yeah i think it's fair to to take robert Sol- to put robert solid at a task and and put his job security in question but just I think it's on these guys to to play better and it's on it's on them to communicate it's it's not like uh you know I just don't see it as a coaching issue at this point I think it's on the players to develop because we've seen them do it they did it at the end of last year uh and and I don't think they're being asked to do anything different this season so you know while while you know it's fair for if it's fair to criticize Robert Sala for the way the defense has played this year, then you have to look at last year and, and give him credit for those five games. And just the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't around, the fact that Adrian Colbert didn't play well and is now hurt. Um, they've dealt with so many injuries on defense in, in the secondary, in particular, Jaquaski Tart's been in and out of the lineup since really since week one because of a shoulder injury,
2: at least since uh, his whole career though. I mean, they depended on this guy. They gave him a contract yeah. extension. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they need a new defensive coordinator, Chris. I think they might need to bring in someone else to look at talent with John Lynch and Adam Peters. It it wouldn't be the worst thing. Although, you know, they're, they're not forced to make a change. I totally get that. They're not looking at their record this year. But they've got to admit, they screwed some things up. The defense would be further along. You were pining for Derwin James. He was certainly above a lot of people on my draft board. They've missed on elite talent in the draft. It happens, but it's happened two years in a row now in the first round. Well, granted, they went with McGlinchey, but that's where I got to butt in and say they can't just stay status quo. I think there's got to be some type of alteration in the way they're doing things.
1: Yeah, and it might just be in their in their you know the way they think about about building the roster. I mean, they they went you know I think everybody looked going into the draft last year looked looked at the team and said, well, they they need to make additions on defense, and really. Like I, I hardly wrote about Mike McGlinchey at all, um, just because I, I wasn't really aware of where the team stood on Trent Brown with the right tackle, and it was clear that, you know, they didn't view him as a long-term piece, despite how good he was in pass protection, and, and he had obvious issues in the running game, which which Mike McGlinchey has proved to be a, a significant upgrade over him there. So, I, I mean, I don't I don't blame them for taking McGlinchey, just given the fact that he'll probably be Joe Staley's replacement. But when when you look at the defense. Yeah. I mean, they use their first and second round pick on offense when really the offense wasn't the problem. It, w- it wasn't, you know, I they didn't really, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo elevated a lot of those guys, you know, just with just the way he played last year. And it seemed like they could get away with, you know, using mid round picks on offense and, the, and then using some of their top picks on defense, which is, you know, which is where you need the, the scheme is so simplistic. And, and, you know, people complain about them, not blitzing and, and all those things. Like it's there, the scheme is not designed to blitz. The the scheme is, is meant to have super talented players just play fast. And that's what the Seahawks have done. And that, you know, that there's no, when, when a scheme is simplistic and, and you know where guys are going to be, it's really just about talent at that point, and that and that's why the Seahawks have been so good running that same scheme because they've had Earl Thomas, they've they've had Bobby Wagner, they've had a really good pass rush, they've had good corners, including Richard Sherman. So, in in my thinking, it was you know okay, go get some of those elite elite talents on defense to to run that scheme, and they didn't do that. Um, and you know maybe Dante Pettis turns into a really good receiver. He's certainly played much better these last few weeks than he did early in the year. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think they have to go into this draft going heavy on defense, particularly early and particularly after losing Reuben Foster, who, you know, is is a huge is a huge loss for them at this point, not only because he was, you know, he he was a good player and he wasn't playing that well this year, but he was a first round pick who they traded up for um and you know they they lose that asset for nothing they don't get an elite player on on a rookie contract which is you know arguably the most valuable asset in football they have they they got nothing they got nothing for him so um you know they weren't able to trade him or anything he's just gone so uh so yeah i i th- i'm i'm definitely expecting them to to you know if they have the first overall pick and don't come out of it with a pass rusher or uh trade down and and get one pass rusher early on with you know one of their two picks or whatever however they end up handling it then then I would I would seriously raise an eyebrow and think they really need to change the way they're they're looking at this because what they're doing now is just hasn't been good enough.
2: no yeah it was great to hear Kyle talk about edge pass rusher today I feel like he's kind of skirted that issue like it's not his problem like he didn't create that mess but he actually does because he's looked at as the leader of that building it was great to hear him say that today I'm going to give you the scenario, Chris, that I think is going to happen to close the season. Nick Mullins is going to win a game or two. The Raiders are going to have the first pick. They're going to get Nick Bosa. The 49ers are going to be picking number two overall. And here we go again. Can they get this thing right? All, all of a sudden, Josh Allen from Kentucky went into the season kind of knowing about this guy. He's exploding up the draft boards. I respect Matt Miller's look on things. He's got him at number three overall. Quinnan Williams is a new name, a hot name from Alabama. Ed Oliver has been there all season long, defensive lineman from Houston. Greedy Williams, a corner from LSU. I don't think they're going to be able to rule him out. Um, I think they signed Earl Thomas in free agency. They do the same thing they did with Richard Sherman. They say, you know what? You're coming off an injury. People are counting you out. Come here. We need you more than anything. Richard played pretty well. We're going to bet the same that you will too. Uh, and they I think they might take Josh Allen. I mean, it's way I, You know what? I shouldn't even say that. They're not, I can't speculate who they're going to take now, but um, I don't know if they're going to be able to solve edge in free agency. That's my take. That's what, how I think things will shake out. If that's a scenario, they bring in Earl Thomas. Maybe they get Josh Allen in the draft. Um, Nick Mullins is clearly their backup next year. They're feeling good about it. They have Jimmy G. They don't touch offense much. Dante Pettis finishes the season. Well, I mean, I think this is a scenario that they would be pretty comfortable with starting twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, they're they're never going to admit to tanking um, and and trying to lose games on purpose, but I I think they're keenly aware of how important having the first overall pick would be, and and I do think that's a reason why Nick Mullins is playing and it's not C J Beathard. I, I might be in the minority on this, but I still think C J Beathard is a better player than Nick Mullins. And and I think he's viewed that way inside the building too. And I think they they sort of look at this as a scenario where if we don't have to, if we don't have to win, win games right now, there's really no reason not to just play Nick Mullins and see how good he could possibly be. Um, Just, you know, you know, I, I don't know that we're that that Mullins has played well enough to this point to say, Oh, he's definitely gonna be competing for uh, for the backup job next year. And I think I, I think Kyle Shanahan still still views it that way. I think he's since Mullins has been starting games, he he's still called him the third stringer. Um and I think if you were to ask him, and, and maybe that's something we should ask him this week, is is exactly how he views Mullins right now and if he thinks there there is gonna be a competition, you know, for the starting job or for the backup job in the offseason. I'm inclined to think Shanahan views CJ Beathard still as that guy. And, and they're not super eager to win these games because wow. they know what, what having the first overall pick would, would be like. And that's just an opinion of mine. And, and I don't, I don't really, you know, that I, it's an informed opinion and, and no one's told me that directly, but that's just sort of where, where I'm at on this. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, Josh Allen, I haven't watched, I haven't, I mean, I've watched, uh, I've watched Nick Bosa because I'm an Ohio state alum, but I have not watched all of, I haven't taken the dive into all these draft prospects yet. And, and I'm definitely going to do that here in the coming weeks, but, but Alan, you know, Alan client Klein, client Farrell, the Clemson guy, um, you know, all these guys seem like possible candidates, but for me, and I, I wrote it in the mailbag this week. I, I, I think you, if you have the number one overall pick, I think you, 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 don't get too cute with it and you just take the guy unless someone just completely blows your doors off with an offer for you know multiple first round picks and and a scenario where you're you're not getting too far down the draft board you know maybe number 5 you can still get one of these elite guys or you know maybe they like one of the corners and after getting someone like I don't know D Ford in free agency the Chiefs pass rusher um but I'm with you I I mean I think they're I think they're going to I think they, I think they want the first pick, and and that's not that's not a report, um, that's not anything I've been told directly, but I but I think they want the first pick, and and I I have a suspicion that that's the reason why Nick Mullins is playing, and and uh, and not C J Beathard because I do think Kyle Shanahan still views C J Beathard, a guy who he traded up for in the third round of the draft, um, I still I think Shanahan thinks Beathard is still better than Mullins. But, um, you know, maybe that could change, maybe that could change over the next four weeks, but that's that's where I'm at with it right now.
2: I bet if you asked him if it was an open competition, he would say every roster spot is like you'd have to frame it the yeah, for sure you have to frame it the correct way, but i the one thing about Nick Mullins getting rid of the football quickly, not getting sacked, I really think that drove Kyle insane. Maybe Kyle thought he he could have coached that out of c j like that was something. But it's really an innate thing that seems to be stuck with C.J. Beathard that's preventing him from becoming like an Andy Dalton because he does have timing and rhythm, and he can make long 45-yard passes down the field look nice. He's done that multiple times. He has a skill set. Yeah, I I think Kyle Kyle soured a little bit on C.J. Beathard. You know, a lot to unpack with that. But um, I I think Nick Mullins wins a couple games. I'd be surprised if C.J.'s back on the field, and that happened. Nick Mullins is going to have almost as many starts as Jimmy Garoppolo in his career. That's going to be hard to fathom heading into next season. I think, I think a good thing about next season, Chris, if we're taking away some positives here before we gloss over the defense and wrap up, they have Kittle, who's clearly a stud and going to be a pro bowler. Brita at times has looked very, very good. His ankle and his health. It's hard to get over that. It's so nagging. He's like, you root for him because he's out there trying so hard, but Maybe they're thinking about shutting him down as well, because they have the emergence of Jeff Wilson here, a power back that's maybe shifted some of the value. Like, hmm, you know, is Brita as as great if Jeff Wilson can come in here and do some things? I do want to mention Dante Pettis, too, because if they can head into the offseason with Bre- feeling good about Brita, feeling good about Kittle, feeling good about Dante Pettis, feeling good about McGlinchey, you did not waste 2018 on offense. You did develop a little bit of pieces, and again, They've got to carry it over. 2017 guys couldn't carry it over. I'd be shocked if it was another sophomore slump here. I think that was kind of an anomaly that kind of got hung up on defense a little bit. I think the offense is actually sitting in a significant place and could be you a know, top 12 unit next year.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I do think you know, there's a possibility that these guys that we were talking about having sophomore slumps, that they do snap back in 2019. Like that, that's also a possibility too. If the, if the offense is humming um, if Jarek McKinnon comes back healthy and obviously Jimmy Garoppolo comes back healthy and you see the team playing just in more advantageous situations, um, not playing from behind the entire game, uh, not turning the ball over. I mean, I I think, I do think the defense has really suffered from the offense, just turning the ball over and being among the NFL's leaders in turnovers throughout the, throughout the whole season, I think that's a big part of it. So, you know, I, I I think, you know, a football team is a pretty delicate ecosystem. And and I think little things can impact the entire team. And and just, you know, turnovers that have been have have just been killer for the for the 49ers. And injuries have been killer for the 49ers. And it's all sort of just turned into this perfect storm of just you know being a bad football team, being two and ten. So you know, if if the offense remains productive and, and continues to move the ball, which I fully expected to with Garoppolo and McKinnon there, if they don't turn the ball over, if they add if they add an edge rusher, then I think you see the team. You know that that's why things like that are are, are why you see turnarounds happen so frequently in the NFL, and you know I we, we see it all the time. There's a team that goes from. You know, five and eleven, four and twelve, to to in the playoff hunt through, throughout the, the entire season because they just stop doing those things that hurt themselves. So I think the margin of the, the difference between talent is is pretty negligible when you when you look at teams throughout the NFL. It's all about just how you're playing and, and what you're doing as a team in terms of avoiding mistakes. And, and I think, you know, next year with an actual quarterback at the helm and, and if they improve the, the defensive side with, with some key additions, whether, you know, it's going to be through free agency and the draft, uh, I, I think they, they could snap back towards the version that we saw go 5-0 and to end last season. Um, and and I think they could be, you know, in the mix at least 500, you know, if they're 500 throughout the year, they're going to be in the playoff mix until December. And I think that has to be the expectation um, more so than, you know, 10, 11, 12 wins. I think if, if, if they're at the 500 mark this time next year, then I think that's a win for them. And then they go into 2020 with another draft class, another free agent class, presumably a decent year for Jimmy Garoppolo as a full-time starter under his belt. And then you really start talking about competing with the Rams for, for the division crown.
2: No, I mean, if not, they're going to be in hot water, Jed's not going to pull the oh, trigger. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if they go five and eleven next year, Jimmy G doesn't look good. The draft class is slumping again. They're going to feel some heat. They're not going to get fired year three, but they're going to go into year four um, close to the warm seat. And I, I think fans understand that as well. I think Kyle and John Lynch understand that as well.
1: Yeah, totally. And and they know, you know they it gets a little tiresome and maybe just because I'm around these guys and, and you hear the same thing all the time, but it gets a little tiresome to hear the excuses about, turn, about you know, injuries and things like that. And, and some of it, you know, some of these guys do have to play better. It's just, just that's the bottom line they have to play better regardless of the circumstances. But I do think the NFL is right for turnarounds just with, with how much parodies in the league and, and how many injuries the 49ers have had that if they do get some better injury luck, uh, they don't turn the ball over as much next year. Then I think they could be right in the thick of it. And then, you know we're we're going to forget about them being two and fourteen or three and thirteen, however, however they finish this season.
2: I want to do rapid fire with you to close. Like, a couple roster decisions they have to make um, maybe okay. maybe even before March. Eric Armstead's nine million dollars option for next season. He's been decent this year, only three sacks, but he's been good in run support his stats aren't good but the film is good on him he hasn't been injured 9 million seems like a lot for him but again if you you'd have to replace him essentially in free agency or you'd have to count on Julian Taylor stepping up which you haven't given him much chances this year um i it's starting to look like they're going to pick up that option then again did they learn their lesson with Jimmy Ward here they picked up his option he became you know, injured, and they couldn't figure out how to use him. He's not really that good anymore. Armstead's kind of had a better year. It's you know, they're they're two different scenarios, but um, I'm I'm leaning towards them picking up Armstead's option. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, I do think nine million is kind of a lot, but when you have as much cap space as they're going to have, you have a little bit of margin for error. That's that's what having all that cap room affords them. Uh, so, yeah, $9 million is a lot. I, I would consider giving him a multi-year extension, something modest. I think, you know, something – you could give him a multi-year extension that guarantees him more than $9 million that gives you some security. You know, it, like his $9 million is going to be fully guaranteed if he's on the team of the new league year in March, no matter if he plays two games or 16 games mm-hmm. in 2019. So they could sign him to a new contract, a multi-year contract, that has all those built-in roster bonuses already there, giving them you know a little bit of relief and insurance if he does get hurt again. Um, and Armstead could make more than the, than the nine million fully guaranteed. So you know I I I would ap- approach the idea just I, I mean I do I'm with you. Like I, I don't know how great he's been, but I do think he could be a, a good player in in a defensive line rotation that that could be pretty good. Um, and you need depth there. And so I would, def- I, I would bring him back on, on the, on the 9 million. I know there's some risk involved in it, but I would, I would consider, you know, saying, all right, let's do, let's do two years, 14 million with something close to 9 million guaranteed. You get an extra year tacked on and, uh, and, and we got to keep you around in this rotation because I don't think he, yeah, I don't think he's a problem. And like you said, if you lose him, Then you have to go about replacing him and, you know, they don't have a ton of draft picks right now. And obviously they lost Reuben Foster, so they're going to have to think about linebacker, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back uh, on a modest, you know, two, maybe three year contract, something you could get out of uh, after two seasons if he's injured again.
2: DeForest Buckner has made himself a boatload of money this season. He's up to nine sacks. Who knows, it could be 12 or 13 by the end of the season. Maybe that's a little wishful thinking, but uh, he's been crushing it. Um, do you think it's a situation where they're going to end up picking up his option in a couple of years, or are they going to think extension with this guy as soon as possible?
1: Well, this, uh, presumably the sooner they get the extension with him done, the cheaper it's going to be just because you know the salary cap keeps keeps getting going higher it gets it gets higher by about 10 million a year um and you know as, as guys get higher higher paid as, as you know as, as time goes on so you know if Buckner doesn't get a new contract this offseason and then he has you know a 12 or 13 sack season in, in 2019 he's going to be significantly more expensive than he would coming off this year uh so I would I would you know try to try to pay him this this offseason give him you know four or five year extension worth you know fifteen seventeen million a year something that'll make him the team's highest paid player because i think he deserves that both with his production and and sort of his work ethic um and just and you know he's not the most vocal guy but he's he's the best defensive player and and the only one still on his rookie contract and, and i don't think it's particularly close Um, So, yeah, I would try to pay him this offseason because he's going to be cheaper now uh, than he would be if you wait. Uh, The thing is, is is Buckner going to want to sign now, knowing that? Is he going to want to say, you know, bet on himself and say, okay, I'll, I'll take the fifth year option in 2021, I think. And then, you know, we'll hit the negotiating table then when the salary cap is at a point where I'll be making 20 plus million a year instead of 15 to 17 a year. Which I, think he would, which I think he would get you know, if, if he did agree to an extension this offseason.
2: It's going to be delicate with him because look at Khalil Mack. He became so highly paid for just, let's hold this off. I'm one of the better players in the league. Let's let this play out. So that'll be interesting to monitor for 49ers fans. Uh, last one with you, Jarek McKinnon. He's probably coming back. Um, they, they do have the out here. Parag literally gave them this in the contract. If he tears his ACL at the beginning of the year, we're like, Hey, we don't need you. But then again, Brita's banged up. We'll see what Jeff Wilson turns into. I don't know. Has Kyle changed our running backs? He's gotten burned by Joe Williams early in the draft. Um, You know, you never know how a guy looks coming off an ACL. It'll be interesting. I'm leaning towards them picking it up, but it won't be shocking if they let him walk.
1: Yeah, they they guaranteed so much money this year that I think it, it's something like four million for next year, right? Fully guaranteed, uh, four million guaranteed, and uh, whatever roster bonuses he has. I could be wrong on that. I haven't looked at his contract in a while. But um, I, there's all indications are that McKinnon's going to come back. Shanahan was asked about you know how he envisions or what has he had thoughts about you know pairing Matt Breida and Jarek McKinnon in the backfield next year, and he said absolutely. So, um, you know, McKinnon is a guy they really like, uh, you know, in in terms of culture and work ethic and everything like that, he's, he's genuinely a good dude and, uh, and they really value that, um, you know, in the, in the locker room and and things like that. And so I, I think, you know, watching the way the 49ers utilize Derek McKinnon in training camp, um, and, and everything Kyle Shanahan has said since the injury, it makes me, it's, it's, I think McKinnon was going to be a huge part of the offense and both in the running game and the passing game. Um, I think he was probably going to be second or third on the team in targets. Uh, if, if he stayed fully healthy, just based on the design of the offense and splitting wide and creating mismatches against linebackers and, and things like that. So I don't think the injury is going to make the 49ers veer from, from their, the way they value him. Um, and, and I do think they like him enough to the point where, yeah, they, they're going to bet on him again. Um, and and you think about Matt Breida and Jarek McKinnon and and after all those possibilities or with all those possibilities, that's that could be a, a really important thing for them, just in terms of uh, you know being able to create mismatches on offense, which they can't really do right now outside of George Kittle.
2: They really need Dante Pettis to keep this up. If he stacks five good games on top of each other, they're going to be feeling good. I, you know, receiver could be on the table in the draft. I don't think it'll be Randall Cobb, Golden Tate. There's so much to discuss about this team. We're going to be hearing a lot more from Chris soon. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks for your time.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. Awesome stuff from Chris there. We're definitely going to be hearing a lot more from him soon. Stay tuned on that announcement. I think the one thing Chris and I disagree on is Robert Sala's job status. I don't think the 49ers are going to push him out the door, but I do think Kyle and John Lynch are talking about it. I do think Robert Sala hasn't done the best job. He doesn't have a pass rush. A Weatherspoon witherspoon is so inconsistent. There's no safety depth. We know the problems of this defense, but players are constantly confused. I have called for Kyle to sit in on a lot more defensive meetings than he's been doing. I think that really should be happening just so they get a sense of what's going on. Kyle's the offensive coordinator. He's running the offense. His assistants are top-notch. Rich Scangrillo could be an OC in the next couple of years. Mike McDaniel, why do you think the run game is doing so well? He's a run game coordinator focusing on schemes and concepts using McGlinchey. There's some damn good offensive assistants. I don't know if I can say that about the defensive side of the ball yet. Maybe there'll be a couple staff changes there. It just doesn't feel like defense can stay status quo. And that's the point I was trying to make earlier in the episode with Chris. KJ Podcast, Blue Wire is the network. Search Blue Wire at iTunes. Pretty much all of our shows pop up. We're on Spotify, we're mostly on Stitcher. We've got Redskin shows. We're adding solid people to the mix. Your passionate fans with Lightyear, Sam and Andy. Your journalists, like Ted Wynn for The Athletic, Fallon Smith, longtime broadcaster in the Bay Area. You got people like me, former journalists who are now in the tech sector. Um, We're building a new team here. And... Our downloads are really increasing, so jump on board now. Share them out to some of your friends. There's good audio content, local sports. We're better than radio. Stop listening to that staticky shit. Shout out to my people at KMBR and 95.7 The Game, but come on. You can listen to us a lot more conveniently, and I hope you do so. All right, that's it. We'll talk to you again after the Broncos game, which I predict the 49ers will win. This is going to be an upset. I think they do end up winning one game left on the schedule this seems like the best case broncos have a good defense but i think a couple things will go the 49ers way kyle wants to beat his hometown team all right we'll talk to you again sunday night
3: peace whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance